love too. it. Thank you. Y'all may be seated. We, uh, I don't know, many, I'm taking you back 10 or 15 years. I had to go ask Bonnie. I forgot the name of the group. Hey, uh, who wrote that? Moses, who wrote that song? Chris Tomlin. Okay, that's what the big name I was thinking about. All right, tell you a quick story. Your Bible's open to John 14 and 15. Uh, some of you probably know where I'm going with this, but um, this had to be 12 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, we had, anyway, Chris Tomlin had kind of adopted that. He wrote that song. It's a great song. I love it. Uh, I think it's a great Lord's Supper song. That's just a little note to do when we do Lord's Supper. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> so uh, there's a group called Dave's Highway. Y'all remember Dave's Highway? You don't even care, do you? You remember Dave's Highway had two beautiful little daughters and a son, right? And they, sat, they harmonized incredibly well. Do y'all remember this? So, okay, thank you. We do your head like this, you know, just anyway, so they uh, they were they were really great, but they did it from home. They they recorded all this music at home and excuse me, and um, Chris Tomlin saw them do Jesus Messiah. It was just online. They were posting these songs online, and he invited them to come do the song at a concert. I mean, incredible. And they went from having a few thousand, uh, what do you do when you watch somebody, a uh, uh, followers, okay. See, Tom, not on there. Uh, <clears throat> the reason I'm not is I know I'd probably have about two or three followers, so I don't want to get on it. So, uh, so he invited them, and so then they started having millions and millions of followers. But they were, a, of course, this was several years ago. They're grown adults, and probably I haven't followed them at all. But uh, we even had them. Sing, they, they sang that Sunday morning. It was, it was either in probably in September or October. And then I had them sing uh, at a Biscuits game. They sang the national anthem at a Biscuits game that day. But anyway, huh? No, they're from Mississippi. From uh, somewhere. They're in Mississippi somewhere. Somewhere close to where Paid and Fool's from. But anyway, it was great. I, every time I hear that song, or sing that song to myself, I always think of, and I don't know what the, where he got the name from, but Dave's Highway was the name of, name of the group. Your Bible's open to uh, John, chapter, John chapter 14. The title, if you're looking at your, your uh, bulletin this morning, and it's obvious what the, the, the word or the title is asking. Are you apart, as in separated from, the vine and the branches? Or are you a part of it? Okay. Are you separated from, not in contact with, not bearing the fruits of, etc., etc.? Or are you a part of the vine uh, as, as a branch? Before I read the portion of John chapter 15, we're going to watch this segment of the, of the movie, the little Gospel of John movie. This is going to cover John 14 about the Spirit into it. takes four or five minutes. And I'll get my time at the back end. But uh, you ready? Ready up there? Would it help if we cut if the lights me, down? You will obey my commandments. I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper 
who will stay with you forever. He is the spirit who reveals the truth about God. The world cannot receive him because it cannot see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and is in you. When I go, you will not be left all alone. I will come back to you. In a little while, the world will see me no more. But you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. When that day comes, you will know that I am in my Father and that you are in me, just as I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. My Father will love those who love me. I too will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, Lord, how can it be that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Those who love me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and my Father and I will come to them and live with them. Those who do not love me do not obey my teaching. And the teaching you have heard is not mine, but comes from the Father who sent me. I have told you this while I am still with you. The help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and make you remember all that I have told you. Peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace that I give you. I do not give it as the world does. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. He you heard me say to you, peace. He owns it. That's the word he used. But I he will come it. back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For he is greater than I. I have told you this now, before it all happens. So that when it does happen, you will believe. I cannot talk with you much longer. Because the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me. But the world must know that I love the Father, and that is why I do everything as he commands me. Come, let us go from this place. I am the real vine, and my father is the gardener. He breaks off every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and he prunes every branch that does bear fruit, so that it will be clean and bear more fruit. You have been made clean already by the teaching I have given you. Remain united to me. And I will remain united to you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It can do so only if it remains in the vine. In the same way, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. And you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will bear much fruit. For you can do nothing without me. Those who do not remain in me are thrown out like a branch and dry up. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire, where they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you will ask for anything you wish, and you shall have it. My Father's glory is shown by your bearing much fruit, and in this way, you become my disciples. I love you, just as the Father loves me. Remain in my love. That's good. If you obey my commands. Thank you so much, Bill, for doing that.
I love, I love, I don't know if you do, I'm a visual learner and I, pre- I preview this obviously during the week and I love watching the text. And again, this is a great, it's just called the Gospel of John. It's a verse by verse reenactment. It's just wonderful. Your Bible's open there to John chapter 14. I, I do want to mention a couple of things. John 14 is important because obviously the last point of my sermon last week, which you may not, may not remember, but one of the great things, and this is where he washed the disciples' feet and so many things he was teaching about that. But the last point would have been, because of that, they became very confident, or were supposed to be confident in Christ's coming, because that's the promise he made in the context of when he washed the disciples' feet. You know, they were, they were comforted by his words. They were to be conformed to his example. All those things. But then... He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, but He's also in me. If in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. So they were to be confident in His coming. And obviously they should be, because this is the same Jesus that just a couple of weeks earlier had resurrected Lazarus from the dead. So this Christ did have the power to come. But at the end of John chapter 14, with your Bibles open, I want to pick up and read just a couple of verses. Uh, Picking up at verse 15, and kind of set the context for John 15. If you love me, John John 14, 15, if you love me, you, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another. Now, those of you who've heard me teach on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, this is an extremely important word in the Greek text, but also an important doctrine. There are several words in the original language, which was Greek, that could be translated another. Jesus chose one that's not necessarily the most popular one, but it's the word alon. You don't care about what the word, but what the word means is it's, it's the Greek scholars say it means another of the same kind or another in the same form. So one of, one of my arguments, like when you come to discussing Pentecostalism, is that the manifestation of the Spirit in John 14, 15 is telling me that the work of the Spirit will be no different than what Christ did when He was on the earth. So, if, so when we think about the work of the Spirit, it is confirming the walk of Christ. And so it is Christ's Spirit. It's what it's called. He's called the Spirit of Christ. And so things that some people say the Spirit leads us to do, if Jesus didn't lead us to do that then they don't have a very good argument. But I say that because He teaches in John 14, 15, 16, Jesus teaches. He teaches as much about the Holy Spirit that is taught uh, anywhere else in the New Testament because that the Spirit's coming as a helper. So let's pick back up. I will, give you, I, will, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever in the sense that Jesus you know, had a temporary, His incarnate life on this earth was, was temporary. And He will give you, give you another, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, 
And look at, look at your Bibles. I can make something up that's not true. Because the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. Very important what Jesus says now. You know Him. So they haven't been, in, they haven't been indwelt by the Holy Spirit yet. Pentecost has not come. But Jesus tells them, you know Him. He's a person. The Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He says, you know Him. Well, how in the world did they know Him? Look what He says. For He dwells with you, and He shall be in you. So, who is Jesus referring to? Himself. He says, you know the Spirit because it's going to be My Spirit. So now, I'm with you, and one day, He, the Spirit, is going to be in you. So, in many ways, we talk about Him being another Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is why the Spirit came and was able to apply the work that Christ accomplished because He's the Spirit of Christ. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live. In that day, that's really what I wanted to read, in that day, in what day? He says, in that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Very specific there. The day. In that day. Now, for the apostles, if you're looking at your Bibles, for the apostles, that day where they realized the Son was with the Father, right? And, and they knew that Christ was in them and the Spirit was now in them. What day would that be? I think it's the events of Pentecost. That, that's me. Now I, didn't ex- now, I wasn't here for Pentecost. But this verse to some degree is also true for all that have been born again. The day you were saved, this was true for you. You you realize the presence of God in human form through the work of the Spirit inside of you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So there's there's a connection between your love for the Lord Jesus and the Father. And Christ's will manifesting Himself to you. Um, this, is, this is described in kind of a unique way when it comes to spiritual gifts. Uh, when you're reading Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, you find that, that there's this grace that's given and the more you demonstrate an act of obedience... It's God's sovereign plan is to, is to give you more opportunities or to even enrich your gifts. So this is one of the promises that, that Jesus makes. Goes on to say, uh, and then he says, Judas, which is not Issachar, you watched it, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Again, this is extremely profound. And my Father will love him. 
So my connection to the love of God and the love of the Father is my obedience to the word of Christ. And he says, and my Father will love him. And, and then look what he says. He gets plural. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that awesome? It's the same word for abiding places. Now, now put your... In John 14, 2, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. That's a future dwelling place, John 14, 2. But also, there's a dwelling place for the Father, Son, and Spirit right now. And it's us as believers. He says, we will make our home inside of you. So there's a dwell, we become a dwelling place. Paul teaches this. We will become a dwelling place of the Spirit in the presence of Christ. So this is what happens to us when, when those of us who know Christ have been born again. And he says, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the words that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. John 15. I could keep reading, and, but I would chase rabbits. So let's go to John chapter, John chapter 15. Now I'm going to read verses 1 through 11, and then we're going to look at just, just two or three simple things that, that the Lord says about abiding in the vine. I am the true vine. Now, if He's the true vine, now just think with me, there has to be a false vine or an unfruitful vine that God had intended to be fruitful or to be real or to be true. And Robbie read about that vine out of Isaiah chapter 5. Who, who, were, who was it? It's Israel. It's Israel. So, and obviously these Jewish disciples and other people that would hear Jesus, by the way, he's walking now. You see the end of chapter 14. He says, let us go on from here. So we know they leave that upper room. Now this is hours, just a few hours before he's going to be arrested. So they leave the upper room. We just left John 13, 14. We know the upper room discourse is what they say. They've left the room and they're walking. And as the movie showed, there's vineyards everywhere and there's still quite a bit over there today. So they're walking and they would be walking through vineyards. And so Jesus, as the master teacher, did it on purpose. He's sovereign. And, he, and they're probably can hold grapes, grab grapes, grab a vine. So he says, I am the true vine. And they knew that the old vine would have been Jesus. I mean, it would have been Israel. And they knew the prophet in Isaiah 5 that Israel, God had done everything. If you remember what Robbie read, he, he prepared the ground, he removed the stones, and then he, built, he built, gives them a vineyard, which is Israel. And then it says in Isaiah 5, he put a wine press in the middle. And what do you build a wine press for? For fruits, for grapes, for produce, to bear fruit. And it says they, they did bear something. You can read it. They bore bad, or it says wild in the Hebrew. It's, a, it's something that's poisonous. They, they produced a poisonous fruit, but it wasn't. So they weren't a true vine. So now Jesus says this bold statement. Tell, you, tell me another reason. And that's okay. We can talk out loud at church. Besides the vine, what he... It's okay. Yeah, don't, get, don't freak out. And you can say it, and if you're wrong, then I won't make a big deal. What's the other word? The two words 
first two words of chapter 15 tell us something else about Him, about Christ. What is He claiming? I am, right? Do you rem- I am, ego, e me. I've used that before. You've heard it. It means I am. And this is exactly out of Exodus 3 when God reveals Himself to Moses and He says, I am who I am. So when Jesus, by the way, in John's Gospel, there's, there's seven I am statements, if I can remember. Okay, The first one, He says, I'm the bread of life. Okay, He's the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Okay, so that's, that's the first one. Now think about it. He's God and He's... He's the true living bread. Now think about that. So any other thing you're going to consume in life isn't eternal. It's not going to produce what the bread... So He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the good shepherd. There's three. There's seven. He's the good shepherd. He's the door of the sheep. There's only one way, right? There's not any other way you can be saved today. You have to repent and believe in Jesus. And I'm telling you, I know somebody here hasn't done that. Not because I'm some prophet. It's just statistically true. There's somebody here right now that you are so full of religion, you have passed with the eye test, but you know on the inside of you, there's never been the new birth. You're not regenerated. You don't have the life of Christ within Christ is the only way. So He's the door. Number five, He says, I am, ego, e, me. I am the resurrection and the life. That's number five. Number six, John 14, six, I am the way, the truth. Now think about how thorough that statement is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That covers just about all of life. That's number six. And then number seven, claim to deity. I am the true vine. So this is, Jesus is saying He's come to replace in Israel. And I read the verse out of uh, Romans 11, which is a great study of itself. You know, He talks about Israel being the natural vine, but God has set the natural vine aside and those of us that are Greeks or Gentiles, even might even say barbarians, going back to the, to the Old Testament and New Testament. So you had Jews and everybody else. We were some of the everybody else. We've been, so he set Israel aside. They're still his, his vine, but he set them aside. Jesus became the true vine. And we've been grafted in, grafted in by the grace of God. And then Romans 11 teaches, says one day he's going to go back. So this is why we believe in a, a literal kingdom. A literal return of Christ and a literal kingdom. Because Romans 11 says that one day he's going to go back and he's going to take that true vine, what was once to be his true vine, and he's going to restore it. And a matter of fact, he's going to, reign the, he's going to rule the world from that very place. So we believe in a literal thousand year reign of Christ. But we've got to move on. So... Christ is claiming to be God in human form. I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. It's interesting. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. 
He's the farmer in the picture. Christ is the true vine. The Father is the farmer. He's the vine dresser. He takes it away. And every branch that does, does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Uh, pruning, obviously, is cutting away the old useless stuff. And then He says, You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Folks, think of all the religious stuff you've done without abiding. It's not true fruit. It's, it's the fruit of your will, not, not the will of Christ. It's interesting. By the way, let me ask, ask you a question. Um, is Jesus saying that, that saved people are going to be cut off and sent to hell when they sin? Is that what He's saying? No. You can refute that by just going back to John 10. When He says, nobody can pluck them out of My hand. I will give them eternal life. That's what it says. And I will give them, it's grace, I, you didn't earn it, I will give them, those who repent and believe, eternal life, and they shall never, and no one can pluck them out of my hand. But he takes it up a notch. This is in John 10, after the shepherd. Then he says, my father is greater than I, and no one can pluck them out of his hand. So, it, so he's not talking about losing your salvation. More than likely, he's talking about believers who aren't abiding and other believers that do abide. But we continue to read. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And this next statement is incredible. For apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians 3. i tell you what, we'll take the time. I'm going to warn you, I'm going to be five minutes late this morning. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians 3. So I want you to see this, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to show you this real quick. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I just want you to see the, 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 you know, you have to, the Bible interprets the Bible. The best commentary you have is the Bible. Okay? The Bible interprets the Bible. And let me also remind you, I love the MacArthur Study Bible. I love the ESV Study Bible. But the commentary notes are not inspired. Right? That's not the Word of God. That's comments on the Word of God. It's the Word of God you care about. The tendency a lot of people have is the first thing they want to read is what? The notes. Right? You've done that. I do it all the time. Uh, hold on. I'm, I'm having to find... Okay. Look at verse 10. According to the grace of God, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.10... 
I lost my place. I was looking at chapter 2 and it wasn't even what I wanted to read. And I was thinking, what have I done? But anyway, it was the next page. Okay. I know stuff like that never happens to you. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. That's apostolic authority. And someone else is building upon it. Present tense. That's still happening today. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid. How many foundations are there? Christ is one. It's Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, when I read, back to, back to John 15, when I read John 15, that's, the, that's how I view it. Now, I will be honest. I'm, I'm not the greatest scholar, the only scholar in the world in like John MacArthur, my hero, he, he interprets it a different way. So if you have a study Bible, he takes it in a different direction. But I'm, 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 cons- I'm convinced of this myself. So what I believe Jesus is teaching here is that people that are in Him, some abide and some don't abide. And whatever you're doing, if you're not abiding, though you're saved, you're not losing your salvation, you are producing useless fruit. You're wasting you're wasting your time. You're tasteless salt. You're light that's put it under a bushel. You're, not, you're just not serving Jesus like you should. And when he says, you know, they gather them and throw them into the fire and burn, the idea is, he doesn't say, I, he doesn't, this is God. Jesus talked more about hell than anybody. I'm convinced that if Jesus was talking about sending people, if this was a hell, a hell message, uh, he would say hell because he said hell twelve times. So I don't. I just think it's a it's a issue with believers. However, another good argument. I got to be honest and give them due due course for the theology. It, it, I could be wrong in the sense of the whole theme of the passage, because Judas just did what he did, and he was. As you looked, he was in Jesus as you would look, and he departed. But to me, it's, it's, it's a message, it's a, it's a passage about works and our devotion to Christ. So let's read on. So men gather them and they throw them in the fire. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And look what it says. And so prove to be my disciples. Now, look at verse 8 again. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to me, my disciples. And do your neighbors know that you're a believer? Do your co-workers know that you're a believer? Are you bearing fruit that proves you're a child of God, that you've been regenerated and the Spirit of Christ indwells you? Think about that. The Bible says when you got saved, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
that the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And He abides in you by the work of the Spirit. And so how in the world are you not proven that you're His disciple? And then He ends, As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Think about that. If you keep my commandments, you will be abiding in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in His love, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let me give you three or four things about the passage. I've got ten minutes. Number one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit designed and authored this plan of salvation and this plan of discipleship. This is God's plan. This is, this is not man's work. This is God's work. And Jesus is giving us, we can say a simile, we can say a metaphor. He's given us this as a word picture for us to understand what God has done when He saved us and what the expectations are for us to abide. If you just go back and look at chapter, uh, like in chapter 14, this is just interesting to me. Uh, You don't have to count them, but in chapter 14, Jesus wanted us to know exactly who was in control. So in chapter 14, He mentions, He uses the, the personal pronoun I, I am, uh, 37 times. In chapter 14, He uses it 37 times. Uh, I will, He uses about 32 times. And in me, He uses a couple of dozen times. So when we think about the work of the Spirit and the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of discipleship, who's the one that authored this? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And He has now grafted us in. Uh, um, it's not there now, but even in Herod, when Herod built the second temple, Herod's temple as they call it, um, you know, magnificent, one of the seven wonders of the world, but, but on the gate to the temple... Uh, the na- one of the national emblems of Israel was a grapevine. And in the day, you can look this up, and in the day, they, they, it's a huge vine that was, that was um, I think it was in stone, that they engraved on the gate, and then they layered it in gold. So when the sun would hit it, it would shine, and you would see this golden vine, which was a picture of what Israel was supposed to be, but it failed. So number one, this whole issue is about God authoring salvation. Number two, this discloses... Now think about this. You and I have the opportunity to disclose the very nature of God. Now, I want you to go back to chapter 14, and I want you to see verse... uh, uh, When he says in verse 23, he says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. And we will come and make our home with him. Uh, God has set up permanent residence in every believer by by the work of the Holy Spirit. But here's something else the Bible tells us about this, this permanent role. You remember in creation, we're going to read a little bit about this today and tonight. In creation, when God made fruit-bearing trees, He made them according, He had a seed, 
and it says in the seed were produced fruit. It had fruit in itself. So, so it self-replicating seeds. Now, there's other seeds that don't produce, but every seed when God created would produce fruit of the very same kind. So he, he says that over, even in animal world, but over and over it would produce fruit according to its kind. So every seed in creation produce fruit after its kind. Now the Bible says there's a seed in me and you. It's the seed of the Holy Spirit fueled by the Word of God. Right? And it's to produce fruit according to its kind. According to Christ's likeness. According to the work of the Spirit. Whatever word you want to use. But we are to produce that fruit. So, so we're to disclose. I mean, our whole lives are disclosed the nature of God. Because God... So think about that. I mean, you, you can tell... We have to go here. Uh, go, to, go to Matthew 7. Go back to Matthew 7. Matthew chapter uh, 7. Uh, Matthew chapter 7. This is really interesting. Um, Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse uh, 15. Of course, this is towards the end of the, ser- the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Look what Jesus says. You will recognize them by their fruits. You know, they can say all kind of stuff. But how they live and how they talk, you will know them by their fruits. Again, let me ask you, are you known by your fruits? Well, I'll tell you something. You know. You know yourself. You know that if any fruit in you at all is from the Spirit of God, or you know that you've never produced any fruit of the Spirit because you're not saved. You know that. He says you will, you will recognize them by their fruits. And then he gives you this word picture. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Now in the context he says, A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Can I show you something else that's interesting? Since your Bibles are open there to Matthew 7. Look at verse 21. I'm going to show you a little little biblical truth that reminds us or, or kind of a hint at people that are saved, how they respond to sin. He says not everyone, this goes back, it's an application of fruit bearing. You'll know them by their fruit. Then he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody that uses the name of Jesus, 
Not everybody, not everybody who name, says the Lord Jesus, you know, praised God, whatever. That doesn't mean they're saved. Okay, keep reading. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's a lot of what he said in John 15. On that day, on, that, on the judgment day. Now, now again, this isn't talking to saved people. Okay? But let's just say it did. It's not. Now listen, this is not saying to believers this is going to happen. This is unbelievers. But it says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. And it talk, <clears throat> they try to convince God that they did some kind of work. Right? That's what they're, they're trying to tell God. Hey God, I did a lot of work for you. So you should let me in your heaven. Right? So you know these aren't Christians. Because if it were to happen to me and He were to try to cast me out, what would I say? I wouldn't say, I've been really good. What would my plea be? Oh, the blood of Christ. Oh God, I saw Christ and I applied the redemptive work. of That's what you would plead. And so in my Christian life, I don't brag on what I'm doing. I'm grateful that Jesus forgives me of the stupidity of which I do half my life is spent in stupidity, right? Sinful stupidity. We've got to finish. Go back to John 15. So quickly, we, we got... Oh, I'm out of time. So God designed and authored this plan of discipleship, bearing fruit is God's plan. Two, we, we have the privilege of disclosing the nature of God. Number three, now we've read this, so I won't even comment on it, but every bit of your supplies, you know, if you're thinking about the vine and the branches, and Jesus illustrated, if it's not connected enough or it's not connected at all, and y'all have all had, if you do in the yard work, it dies. And, and so, now think about what he's saying. It's exclusive. Every bit of every supply that you need, every bit of it comes from where? Him. You derive or you are depend everything. If in fact He's the vine and you're the branches, is there any other way you can get resources outside of Jesus? No. It's Him. So if you are trying to be something outside of God's Word and God's Spirit, it's futile. And when you meet Him, those works are going to be burned up. They just don't matter. So, let me finish. It's designed by Him. We disclose this nature. We have the privilege of disclosing the nature of God. Three, all, it, all our resources are derived from Him. And let me just give you the last one. Uh, the Bible says that we have the privilege of displaying His glory. He mentions that in verses 9 through 11. The love of God, we have this idea that we're, we, we love and we're loved by Him, so it's love. But let me give you this last illustration. And this is really the best way I can say. To me, the whole thing is summed up in the Lord's Supper. Jesus took a cup. And what's in that cup? The fruit of the vine. And what did Jesus say when He instituted the Lord's Supper? 
This is the blood of the new covenant. There's, there's the fruit from the seed, from grapes, that was harvested and put in that cup. But let's make it spiritual. It's the life of Christ, sacrificed for us, implanted in our souls by the work of the Spirit. That's our source for real living. It says that you're, there's three kinds. There's you bear fruit. Of course, number one, you can wither and die on the vine. And, and, you're just, and men think you're a joke. It's what it says, men gather them. New King James says, men gather them and throw them in the fire because you're just nothing. Either you bear fruit, you bear more fruit, or you bear much more fruit. And then he says, and so prove to be my disciple. Where are you in that? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and our hearts are open to the Lord. Heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning and the invitation's simple today. If you're here today and you're a believer and you're fruitless, uh, you're tainted, or you're just not as faithful as God, you know God's will is for you. Uh, you're not abiding. Uh, you're not walking in the Spirit. All the things that God commands that we do to bear the fruits of holiness, that's not you. You know you're saved. You've been transformed, but you're not living right. This invitation is for you. You can pray where you are. Uh, you can come to the altar. You can come see me. Maybe today is a day of decision. There's a day of a reformation for you. Rededication. You're going to make a, a new commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. But this invitation is for people that are not saved also. And let me just say, if you're here today, and you're never repented of your sins, you don't have the new nature of God, the Spirit's not in you, because you've never repented and believed, I still remember what it was like to be lost. And I'm begging you to believe. To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and you will be saved. You confess, accept what He's done, and you trust Him. If you want to talk about that, I'll be down front. You can find me after the service. But if you need to come today to be saved, why don't you do that today? Lord, move among us now, we pray in Jesus' name. We stand together. Let's sing our hymn of invitation. I'll be waiting on you right down here. Let's sing together. Go. Oh.